This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course, novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers to name just a few, plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com slash hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right, just $6. jessicabrody.com slash hank. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret White. Terry Brooks. Sheena Kamal. Matthew Quick. J.T. Ellison. Walt D. Williams. Brad Ford. Corey Doctorow. Brandon Sanders. Robin Mom. Ernest Klein. Jim Butcher. Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I am super excited to uh, to bring Nadine Matheson on the show with me today. She has an amazing new book. It's called The Jigsaw Man. If you are if you love thrillers the way I do, this is a must have uh, on your shelf for this. Uh, you know, we're going into spring and everything. The, the world is becoming happy and alive again. Uh, just not in Nadine's book. Um, <laughs> but this this is something that you absolutely must read. This is going to be on your must read list for this year. Welcome to the show, Nadine. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so excited. I'm so excited I, to talk about a jigsaw man. <laughs> I, I am so excited to have you. Um, but Nadine, before we get into all the great stuff we're going to talk about, we begin each show with the same question. And that mm-hmm. question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? My first memory, I think it's when I was nine years old and I'd watched The Labyrinth with David Bowie. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I love that film. And I got a to classic. Labyrinth. It's a classic. And I remember my dad had this type. He had a typewriter, and I remember watching that film, and then going and getting my dad's typewriter and writing. It was probably fan fiction <laughs> from a nine-year-old, but I was <laughs> writing my version of the Labyrinth, and that was the first time I remember thinking, "I want to be a writer. I want to write books. I want people to read what I've written." So yeah, nine years old labyrinth fan fiction that i I love that and you know there there's something about writing uh fan fiction if you want to look at it that way uh i I remember that there was a movie that came out uh, probably close to 20 years ago now with um uh sean connery and uh it was called finding forrester i think i remember and oh uh, yeah there was a young man in his neighborhood who uh, he he sort of you know by happenstance uh, mentored. But when when uh, when the young man couldn't figure out what to write, he gave him a story of his and said, "Just start typing my words until your words come." And then you know it evolved into the the young man's story. And uh, I, I I kind of look at since seeing that I kind of look at fan fiction in a different way. You know. Yeah, you're you're using someone else's 
universe and characters and that. But most of the time, it, it's kind of waking up a, a new story in you. It, it's, it, it can be used that way. I think so. It's kind of like, I like to think of it as waking up a mutant gene, like X-Men. Yeah, <laughs> I like you're... that too. <laughs> so you're a mutant. And, but when you're writing fan fiction, so you, it's something inside of you. And sometimes you just need a template. You just need a bit of a lift just to give you that platform to start from. And I think that's probably what I had when I was nine years old. So it's always been there. So, and fan fiction is not, it's not easy. You still have to come up with new stories and new story arcs for your for your characters. You know, we we've done more than a thousand episodes of this show, and that's lots and lots of different uh, author interviews and and lots of different people's stories. And sometimes I'll ask that question, and you'll get, well, well, I just always knew that I was a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Or I just always knew that, and and that is uh, absolutely valid. And and I and I love you know that kind of knowing that it's always there but i always really love it when someone has a very specific memory uh, like you do you know after watching the labyrinth that 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 was kind of an awakening moment um were you a bookish kid uh did did you read a lot i I was always reading from as long as i could remember i was reading books and if i and my mum told me the other day if i couldn't find books to read if i'd run out of books I would pick up anything. So I'd pick up letters, you know, junk mail that came through the post. <laughs> I would pick it up because I just loved reading. And we we had a local library near to where we live. And at the time you were allowed to take out, I think you were allowed to take out six books. And I used to take my parents' library card so I could take out more than six books because I would just read <laughs> so quickly. <laughs> and they were fine. I, had, I have two brothers, but they were absolutely fine with it. So I was going to the library every week and getting new books and yeah I've I've always loved reading so that's always been um a part of me and even I think school teachers said from a young age I was reading books more advanced um than my age so books has always been a strong part of me that's so funny um were you one (laughs) of those kids that while sitting you know at the table eating breakfast you would read the ingredients on the cereal box yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh, we, the good thing was my brother, one of my brothers, he liked Frosties and I used to like Rice Krispies. So I didn't read the back of the Rice Krispies <laughs> box. And he would have the Frosties box. I love that. But I would read it. I would read every, anything. I just, I just love words. That's so funny. Um, so Nadine, uh, as someone who knew from an early age that she wanted to tell stories, uh, you go and become a solicitor or and, and, as we would say in the in the US a, a lawyer um, or, or an attorney um, yeah. what what brought what brought this career path around to you I have no idea my mother said that we used to have this program in England called court T, um, Crown Court and it was basically dramatizations of um, court cases she said she used to put me in front of that to watch when I was like a toddler <laughs> to keep me quiet and she said even when I didn't know what the word meant I said I wanted to be a lawyer which was just strange but from from an early age as well as knowing I loved words I also knew I wanted to be a lawyer so that was the path I took but in terms of writing it's funny when I didn't grow up with I didn't know writers if that makes sense you know I went to school and I, I read books um, you know, my parents always they, they always encouraged us to read and follow our passions. But I didn't know writing was a natural career choice. I didn't know it was something you could you could do. 
And also growing up as a young black girl in in London, um, the writers I was reading, it was most it was mainly bright people. I didn't read, I didn't know there was many black authors out there. So I didn't realise it was a career for me until I probably got into um, maybe secondary school. So I think you'd call it high school. So until I got then, got into school and I realised actually there are people who look like me who write yeah. books, but I still wanted to be a lawyer. So I still wanted um, to pursue that. But then I suppose I got to university and realised actually you can do more than one thing. You don't have to stick at that path. So I thought at one point I would write a book. I mean, I did loads of other things as well. I mean, I was always writing something. There's like half-written film scripts. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that you brought up that idea of uh, of finding authors that you can personally connect with. Because in a perfect world, I, I think that we would all love for the world to be um, where none of that matters, that, that books are just books and, and people are just people and, um, in, in a perfect world. But what, what was it that was so important to you to find authors that looked like you and that, that you could, um, relate to on that level? Like what, what does, what does, what's the importance of that for a young person? I think for a young person, even now, it's just, it's important to see yourself represented and I like to say that you know doesn't matter where you're from whether you're from the United Kingdom whether you're from the States whether you're from someone who's of Caribbean background like I am we all have different stories to tell whether you're telling fantasies or you are telling crime thrillers or historical fiction which is what my dad likes but if you're telling we all have these different stories inside of us and when you see someone who looks like you on the back of a cover telling all these different types of stories, it kind of makes the world feel a little bit bigger and more accessible um, to you. So I think that's the importance of seeing those books by people who resemble you in some shape or form. And I think that was very important to me as a kid. Sure, sure. And, and that makes perfect sense. Um, Nadine, what what is your your specialty uh, in law? I, I know that there is as many different types of lawyers as there are, you know, any other job yeah. profession. But what what is your specialty? What what branch do you uh, practice in? Funny enough, I practice criminal defense, <laughs> and I write crime fictional mystery thrillers. That's why I write. And I there was a time um, very early on I wanted I thought about doing media law. I think I just watched, I think I watched LA Law or something. It was some glamorous TV show. And I thought that might have been good. But then I studied um, criminal law um, at university. And I just thought, oh, my God, this is so fascinating. I, I love this. And I remember saying to my dad, I'm going to specialise in crime. I'm not going to do media anymore. And he's like, what are you doing? There's no money. <laughs> There's no money in criminal defence. <laughs> I was like, no, this is what I want to do. And from the minute I decided to specialise in criminal defence, that I didn't look back because I've loved, I mean, it's been exhausting, absolutely exhausting, but I've loved every single minute of it. And it's good background for the books. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. <laughs> uh, I have an aunt who became an attorney and she used to, you know, love to to read um, the crime novels and, 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 and all of that when growing up and, and to watch, uh, you know, criminal uh, thrillers and and all of this. Mm -hmm. And then when she went into practice, you know, she said, wow, being a lawyer 
in real life and being a lawyer on the screen are two totally different oh. things. <laughs> it's, it's so it's completely yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my question is, do you, do you feel like that the realities of law um, have influenced your writing and and maybe let you um, play out, and the fantasy is the wrong word. I, I don't mean to play out a fantasy on the page of what you wish law practice was. Or do you feel like um, your your writing affects your your day job? Um, do, do you feel like one leads to the other or, or maybe vice versa, the, the way people wouldn't expect? I think the day job has definitely led to the writing and it's, it's influenced it because the thing for me, similar to your aunt, when you're watching stuff on TV or the movies or you're reading books and you know instinctively that something is not correct, it hasn't been represented correctly in terms of, um, you don't want to be a nerd about it, but you're like, no, that, that wouldn't have been done <laughs> that way. And you can't help it. I've done, I've caught myself out loads of times watching TV. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, no, that would never happen in court. Like in England, we don't have the whole judge banging a gavel against on the desk. We just, we don't have that. But you'd see that on TV and you're like, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) So with my day job, I've always said, I know how a police investigation works. I know what it's like to interact with witnesses. And to have so many different types of defendants from the most, you know, someone who's just been, is in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, never been in trouble before, or having someone who's like a career criminal, or someone who's literally, they have, they're being diagnosed as a psychopath and telling me that I'm the crazy person, <laughs> that they're not crazy. So I've dealt with all of those different um, sorts of people, all of those different scenarios. So having that, it's definitely influenced um, the writing and how I would like authenticity to be seen in the book, but not for it to be like an encyclopedia of like right. legal terminology. I don't want, I think that's the worst thing, things when you pick up a book and you just feel it's just info dumping. They're just, they're just repeating <laughs> everything they found on Wikipedia. Like, I don't need to know how many pots of coffee you brew in the office every day. Some things you can just skip over. I'll I'll fill in the blanks myself. Exactly. I mean, we drink a lot of tea. You do not need to know how many bottles of tea. It's like it's a given. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Are you looking for software that helps you bring your novel to life? Novelize is a web-based writing app which allows you to access your work on any device with a browser and an internet connection, right from your desktop, laptop, tablet, or smartphone. Just get the novel written. Say goodbye to sticky notes. With our notebook on the side, you can keep track of all the important information you need to write your novel. We keep distractions to a minimum, help you track your progress, and encourage you to write more novels. You can even use the same notebook for your novels in a series. Outline, write, or organize your novel by switching between modes. You can write your outline notes while you're writing, and you can move scenes and chapters around anytime in the organize mode. Choose between the dark and light theme to help prevent eye strain so that you can stay immersed in your book. Novelize, the app for writers by writers. Authors. I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website 
your home on the web where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20, or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. So, so Nadine, you're practicing law uh, by day. Uh, what what brought this passion for writing back around to you? Um, because invariably, we, we all have these dreams and desires, and then we get caught up in paying bills and raising families and all, you know, all the stuff that happens, you know, usually in your 20s or 30s. And at some point, the the desire comes back around. Um, what what was it that brought it back around for you? Um, it's what you say. Sometimes life just gets in the way, and your dreams can kind of you just kind of sideline them. You don't mean to do yeah. it permanently, but it can happen. But for me, or sometimes your dreams change. Yeah, it's true. Your your dreams yeah. do change. Like I did want to be a lawyer, and then I thought, no, I actually do want to pursue um, writing. It just happened that at the time. The firm I was working for, they were making redundancy, so they were laying people off. So the offer was there to take take the redundancy, and I undernarred about it. But I thought, actually, I've always wanted to be self-employed. So I took the redundancy package, and I began working for myself as a lawyer. And I found that I had time. And also, at the same time, a friend of mine, he'd left the profession completely, and he decided he wanted to be a, um, a sci-fi writer, so he started writing and full time so it was just I suppose surrounding myself um with people who had taken made that career change at the same time so I said I found myself with space to write and I thought I can actually do this and then I went and entered um NaNoWriMo and I wrote yeah and I I think the first time I did it I didn't finish it the second time I finished it and found myself with 50,000 words um of a novel and I thought oh I can, I can actually do this. I can actually write a book. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what I think reignited the fire in me. But I've always loved, I said, I've always loved writing. And I've always known that is something I'd want to do and to see my books in the bookshop. In the bookshop. Um, that that uh, NaNoWriMo uh, project, did that become the sisters? It did. It became the sisters. And I was saying to someone earlier that I think the thing which I had, 
loved about writing the sisters was that there was no other than completing Nana Remo and getting a certificate <laughs> at the end of yeah. it it was just something for me to do and sometimes you just need to see see something through to the end doesn't matter what you do with the final product but you just need to see something through to the end sure. and I think I'd had enough I've had so many like manuscripts which I'd started and not finished and so to have that final product I thought no I can actually I can do something with this and also at the time I think self-publishing was coming up to like it's zenith and so and everyone was self-publishing I thought well yeah. I can do this as well and you know I can still carry on working I've got nothing to lose and I'm the kind of person I'll just jump into things and then <laughs> when I'm in it think oh god there's a, sh- there's a shark in the water <laughs> what was I thinking <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a lot of us have have uh, those qualities uh, if if left to our own devices for sure. Um, so from the sisters, um, you you now are bringing out the jigsaw man, um, which you know on the surface looks to be um, a bit different from the sisters. Uh, what what was it? Uh, what was the well? First off, let me, let me let me back up just a little bit. Um, I love to hear about the beginnings of things. You know, one moment you are just Nadine Matheson, and there's no jigsaw man in your in your world at all. It it just the the whole thing doesn't exist. And then either a character walks on the stage of your mind or maybe you're reading a news article and the the what if game starts playing in your mind and then all of a sudden these characters exist and the plot starts unfolding and the jigsaw man in in one form or another exists and and then you as the writer you know start kind of you know digging out the story or whatever mm-hmm. so what what is the what was that first kernel of an idea that came to you um, I mean, well, the Jigsaw Man started because I lost a bet with my brother. I mean, that's the main thing, because um, I was off sick from work. I'd had an operation, so I was recovering from that. And there was a competition I saw on Twitter um, from City University. And it was to send in the first 5,000 words of a crime novel. And I didn't have a crime novel. But I just came up with this idea of a detective who was returning back to work. And she'd been, she'd suffered some kind of trauma. So... To me, she was similar in age to me, and um, she's already established in life, but she'd suffered something traumatic, but she had to come back to work. So I entered this competition, not thinking that I would win. And then I realised that the competition was actually um, basically to, to get the fees, uh, get a discount off the fee, the course fees for the master's degree. And I told my brother who lives in Japan, and I said, I don't think I want to do this course. Um, and he said, well, if you win the competition, do the course. If you don't win the competition, don't do the course. And I went and won the competition. <laughs> so when I did the course, I had to write a novel to complete the master's degree. So I already had this detective in my head. And it just seemed as once I did emerge in my, in my head and once I'd named her, her name's Angelica Henley, it was like, well, I have a story. Like, you have to tell my story. And then the the prologue for the Jigsaw Man actually came from a 1,000 word assignment on creating suspense. And once I'd had this character in my head who was kind of tapping on the door and I had this opening for the Jigsaw Man, I thought, no, I need to bring these two together and tell the story. And then also, yeah, and also the story of the Jigsaw Man years ago, when I was just a newly qualified um, lawyer, there was a case where a leg was just found on the motorway. So the, the freeway, I think you'd call it. So they just found a leg on the motorway. And then a few months later, they found another body part 
And that case always stuck in my mind. I never worked on that case, but it always stuck in my mind. And so those three elements is what led up to the story of the Jigsaw Man. I love that. Um, the the character of Angelica, um, D.I. Angelica Henley, um, when you know, she comes on the scene and, and tells you that you need to write her, um, but what was the process that you used to kind of discover who she was, what makes her tick, and um, what, what makes her unique? I think what makes her unique is that as a lawyer, I obviously I specialise in crime, and for me, I and I read crime, but I'd never seen a female protagonist who is a black woman. And I've been, and in real life, you know, I've gone to, I've gone to police stations, I've worked on cases, and I've seen black female detectives. So on one hand, I feel like no, these women have stories to tell, and you know, they're part of society. So I need to tell their story but for Angelica herself for Henley for me I just felt as though she's someone who she's been through life and when you get to our age (laughs) just like mine is early 40s when you've got when you've got to our age you've already been through so much there's so much that shapes you and I just thought we need to see more of that in novels someone who's a fully developed human being and not just starting out in life they're already here but Something in their past has also shaped them and has caused them to perhaps um, change their way of thinking or become more focused as she is on a particular case. So it was that. It was just seeing these women around me through work, just seeing, thinking about what I would like to see on the page if I opened a book. What is your what's your writing process like, Nadine? Do do you consider yourself a, a pantser or a plotter? Um, you know, and the, these terms that we throw out in the writer community, like uh, you know, <laughs> everyone should just understand what we're talking about. But how how do you approach uh, kind of digging out the story? I'm definitely a planner. If I was a pantser, I would probably have written thirty thousand words, and Henley would still be sitting in the kitchen. I wouldn't know what to do with her because <laughs> she would be reading the back of a cereal box. She would be reading the back of a Rice Krispies box, <laughs> making another cup of tea. I do not work well without a plan. So I bet, and I've t- I took this technique, it's my own technique, but I took this from when I did um, NaNoWriMo, because obviously they tell you, they give you an estimate of how many words you should be kept writing a day in yeah. order to reach your 50,000 words in, in 30 days. So I think it works out to like 1,600 yeah. words. And I think I broke it down into, actually, it's 30 chapters. So I would do a rough plan of 30, 30 chapters or 30 parts. And I would just write two or three sentences about what I, what I want to happen in this, in this particular section. And that's what I based the first draft of on the book. But for me, I don't, I don't feel like I need to stick to it. So I always call it, it's more like a safety net as opposed to something rigid that I have to follow. Because sometimes you're writing a story and it goes off in a completely different direction because I've written the first draft of book two in the series and I had this this subplot emerge which was not originally part of the plan but it's just because of something that a character said in the story. So I do have a plan so I like to know how it ends (laughs) but I don't feel like I need to just stick to it rigidly but I couldn't pants it. I, I admire people who do. I really do. Well, and 
yeah, I'm I'm not saying that this is my opinion, but um, you know, people that are um pantsers will say, well, if you know how the story ends, uh, there's no life in it, and uh, you know, that how do you enjoy writing something that you already know is going to happen? Um, so what do you do to keep to keep it fresh and to keep it um to keep the story something that you just want to get to the keyboard every day to 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 flesh out because even though i have a i have a plan of what my story is going to be about and i know how it starts and i know how it ends i don't know what each character is going to say and as i said with my second book there's one character who's only she's only in the book for maybe like four or five pages but she says one thing and that created a completely new um story arc or subplot in the book so it's that excitement of I don't know what this character's going to say I don't know how this chapter may necessarily end um in the book so even though I have an idea of how it's going to end it's still a journey to get there um and that's and that's what makes it exciting even though when I did come up the subplot I was like oh my god what am I going to do with this but then that's the beauty of it (laughs) like where did that come from I had no this was not part of the plan but then I suppose the beauty of writing as they say you know it's in the rewriting where you put the work in and you know then you can fix these little subplots that emerge and these new characters that pop out of nowhere you can fix all of that right right um in in reading the book it became uh fairly apparent to me and and I don't know this um so I'm just I'm stabbing in the dark here that that Angelica is going to be a series character um she she definitely you know I'm I'm left at the end of the book wanting to to go on another adventure with her wanting to know more about her past and and uh you know as she solves new crimes you know what am i going to find out about angelica and um so was that a realization that came to you in the writing that oh you know angelica has serious potential i i really i want to go on more adventures with her what what was what was that like for you i knew that from I think the minute I wrote the first chapter and the minute I introduced her properly, I was like, no, she's a series. She has loads. She's not just going to be a one case and we never see her again. Because she's been doing this job as a detective. She's been doing that job for a long time. And and I think the more you write a character, so the more I wrote of her in The Jigsaw Man, I'm learning more things about her. So I thought, because I'm learning new things about her, I can't just leave it all in one book. We need to, there's questions that you're <laughs> right. going, that, you, that you'll ask. So I'm like, no, we need to follow her through to book two, three, four, however long it, however long it takes. Um, and she, and I think she's unique. She, we don't, as I said, we don't see many protagonists like her in literature and crime fiction. So it would be a shame for her just to be a, a one book wonder. <laughs> Well, she's absolutely unique, and and that's what makes me want to know more about her, and I I want to go with her on uh, on more adventures. This is this is going to be so much fun to follow. Um, on your website, you uh, you've got this uh, you've got this page where you show the different um, covers uh, of yeah. the book. You know, from the the American market and the UK market and the Australian uh, and and New Zealand markets. Um, three very different covers, but I love all three of them. Um, you know, as as the writer, and when you're traditionally published, um, like this book is, you you don't necessarily get a, a whole lot of input 
uh, sometimes on, you know, what, what the cover looks like and, and what particular market it's going to go to, um, which is, you know, different from when you're self-publishing, like we talked about earlier, where you, you really have control over everything. What do you think of these three covers? Uh, and, uh, and, and what kind of input did you get into that? I love the covers. Every time, um, a cover was sent to me no matter what stage it was I was like oh, I, I love I love them I just do my my dad's favorite for some reason is just he loves the Australian <laughs> I do too it's it it's creepy and fantastic and yeah yeah he does but in terms of how much involvement I had from the very beginning when they came up with the first concept and this was the same for the UK and the US they'd send me um like various different images of what the concept they were looking at and they asked me if I asked for my opinion and I gave my opinion and then when the next mock-up came again I'd give my opinion so I was involved all the way through but it's when you get the final image and you realize this is what's going to be on my book this is my book cover and it's just it's just it's astounding I mean I've got my book in front of me I've got all of them in front of me and every time I look at them I'm like this is my cover this is my name (laughs) absolutely even yeah, even running my fingers over the over the lettering, because it's embossed and raised. It's just, it's miraculous. But I was, yeah, I'm, I was fully involved, which is what sometimes you're told. I mean, you don't know, you don't know. But um, I was told before that you know you, you won't have much say in how your book looks. <laughs> and when you said when you've been self-published before and you're involved in, you mean you have to do everything yourself. Right. So I was like, oh. I want to be involved, but then to have such amazing publishers who did involve me in every step of the, every step of the way, that was fantastic. That and I said, I love fantastic. I don't yeah. have a favorite, be like choosing a favorite child. Right. <laughs> I don't right. think I can choose. <laughs> I know. I, I have five children because I couldn't choose a favorite. I just kept having another. <laughs> Oh, if you want to know, uh, listening audience, what it's like to hold this Nadine Matheson book in your hand, The Jigsaw Man, you are in luck because today is release day when you're hearing this and you can go to your favorite bookstore and you can grab it or in in the show notes of this episode, we'll have links where you can grab it from Amazon uh, in Kindle edition or, uh, you know, an actual paper edition. Or uh, it's also in audiobook. Um, I I read the uh, the pre-release arc of this, but I can't wait. Um, you know, today it comes out in audiobook, and I can't wait to grab it and to get to experience the story all over again in audio format. So, um, wh- what do you think about the audiobook? Have you heard any of the the pre-releases yet? I actually listened to the audiobook all the way through, and it's funny because sometimes when you're writing, when you're working on a book. You can kind of lose sight on it, lose sight of it, and you can't see what other people see in it because you're just working on it continuously. But when I listen to the audio book and hear someone else reading my words and doing all the expressions and doing all the the accents of the various characters, and I was just sitting there like, it was like a Netflix binge. It's like, I just need to carry on listening. Even though I've written these words, it just comes across so differently. And the audio book, the narrator, Davine Henry, she's absolutely amazing. So you're going to love it. Absolutely love it. I, they absolutely are. Um, Nadine, if people want to dig into all the great stuff that you do, um, is there a place online that they can connect with you? They can. They can have a website, nadinematheson.com. And I'm also on Twitter 
um, my Twitter handle is at Nadine Matheson. And I'm also on Instagram at Queen Mad. So oh, I'm also on Facebook, Nadine Matheson Book. So I am everywhere. Really. Great. So you can interact with me there. And I'm very good. I always, always reply back. Well, we will uh, put links to all those places in the show notes to make it easier for folks to find you. Uh, Nadine, I love the book, uh, and I'm telling everyone about it. Uh, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Thank you so much, Hank. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical, yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. Dream Author by Sophie Hanna is an immersive 14-month coaching program for writers at any and every level of experience, and also for those of you who want to write and are just waiting for the right encouragement and guidance to get you started. Your writing dreams should make you happy. For so many of us, our dreams are not a source of happiness. Instead, they cause us stress, guilt, frustration, and even shame. Here's the great news. All of these feelings are natural and all writers experience them. The problem, though is that when your writing dreams bring you more anxiety than joy, it affects your resolve and your productivity, and you end up not taking the action you need to take in order to propel your dreams in the right direction so that they can stand a strong chance of coming true. That's why Sophie created the Dream Author Coaching Program to teach anyone who is passionate about writing how to change the way they build, think about, and pursue their writing dreams in order to become their own most powerful ally and advocate for the rest of their writing life. And more great news. Once you've learned that skill, it lasts forever. Visit dreamauthorcoaching.com to get started today. The Bad Company Complete Series Omnibus, books one through seven. Humanity's greatest export, justice. Space is a dangerous place, even for the wary, especially for the unprepared. The aliens have no idea. Here comes the Bad Company. The Bad Company Book 1, Colonel Terry Henry Walton, takes his warriors into battle for a price in this first installment of The Bad Company. He believes in the moral high ground and is happy to get paid for his role in securing it. Set in the Cutharian Gambit universe, Terry, Char, and their people-humans, werewolves, were-tigers, and vampires form the core of the Bad Company's direct action branch, a private conflict solution enterprise. Join them as they fight their way across Tissakinan 4, where none of the warring parties were what they expected. The seven-book series omnibus includes The Bad Company, Blockade, Price of Freedom, Liberation, Destroyer, Discovery, Overwhelming Force. Grab the complete Bad Company series by Craig Martell now. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Anderley. Virtutis Gloria Mercies. Translation? Glory is the reward of valor. Fed up with playing the normal game, recent university graduate, ex-cum laude, ex-soccer star, ex-popular and mostly broke Cara Madano 
changes her life when she decides to research how to be a witch and believes it. Kara didn't want to go back east and deal with her overbearing mom, so when university was done, she stayed behind in Los Angeles. Little did she realize how controlling moms can be from the other side of the country. Feeling a little desperate to make her own way, she buys a few books on business and one on a lark, How to Be a Badass Witch. That's when the trouble started. Find out just what trouble a young woman can get into when the magic just might be real. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Andrews.